Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Hello there, and welcome. My name is Dave Cunningham. If you love all kinds of music, this episode is for you. Brian Lipson owns and operates Brian's Record Option and has been doing so for over 40 years. The institution is a place where you can spend hours on end and with a little patience, discover amazing finds you never knew you wanted in the first place. What prompted Brian to become so passionate about this business? How did he deal with the flood in his store two years ago? And what about the people he's met along the way? All of that in our conversation with Brian Lipson. Brian, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to be here. During the course of the next little while, we are going to talk about a few different things, specifically the big flood that occurred two, two and a half years ago. We are going to play a song that you asked us to play, and we are going to listen to some of the stories that you've accumulated from 40 plus years behind the counter at Brian's Record Option. But let's get started with the big question. How did you get started in this business? Well, it was in 1980. Uh, I started uh, in the end of April. Now, before the store, I was, uh, I guess, a professional student. Um, I started at McGill with a BA in sociology. Now, th um, three quarters into the degree, I needed some time off. So I took off a year and live, uh, went to Europe for $5 a day and I came back after that year and decided, well, I'm not really into sociology, so I'm going to, but I'm going to finish the degree. And of course, with the boomers, um, you know, all of us had BAs and BSc, no jobs. So I ended up, uh, my life before the store was get another degree somewhere in Canada, take another year off. And uh, it was an interesting life. Um, then uh, I was getting this master's in criminology at Ottawa U because my experience, it seems all my jobs out West was to do with prisons and criminology. So I, I figured that's what I would do. Now, meanwhile, my father uh, owned a distributing com company uh, for independent music. And down the road, I thought, well, I'm going to, I had this idea of a store, but not, not yet. Uh, it was going to be much later in life. Mm -hmm. And um, then he decided to sell the place and I wanted to take advantage of his contacts. So I had a year to go in the masters and I thought, well, let's, let's do the store and see what happens. If it doesn't work out, I'll go back to criminology which I hated, and uh, I never looked back. So I started with $2,000 in my pocket, uh, no business degree to think of, and it was just intuition. It was a love of collecting records and uh, music, and um, I developed my own reality, and I never looked back. Did you start the business 
somewhere else besides Kingston or was Kingston where you actually started? Kingston. Okay. I wasn't sure where to start. Um, I'm from Montreal, right? but I so was away. I. Yeah. Oh, you too. Yeah. Uh, okay. What and, part of Montreal? Well, my mother had the three year itch. So every three years we moved. <laughs> so, I mean, we, uh, I was, I was born on the carry, I guess. Uh, and then it, there was a few years in TMR, uh, Montreal West, Snowden, Cote St. Luke, and then finally the McGill ghetto area when I went to McGill. See, see me, it was Rosemount and that was it. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. So the East end of Montreal. Okay. Okay. So I digress. Now, uh, <laughs> you had a love of music. So what kind of music were you into in those days? Uh, so, this would be what, so this would be the late 70s when you were starting to think about a storm? Yeah. I mean, it was in the back of my mind for all these years, but I didn't think it was realistic. And, um, but, uh, well, just going back, your, uh, the question I never answered was why Kingston? And... Um, I, I, t I had about seven cities in mind in Ontario and um, I did a survey and Kingston uh, won out uh, for various reasons. And, um, but music wise, um, yeah, it was, it was 60s rock. Mm -hmm. uh, it was folk. I was always, I've always been a folky, always been into blues and bluegrass and jazz and uh, always ready to experiment. So quite diverse. Very diverse. Oh, yes. Okay, so we're setting up the store in Kingston in 1980. That's right. And you're on Princess Street. Mm-hmm. How did you get the records to start? Well, um, of course, there's your own collection. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, you end up selling your own collection at a loss, because all that money that you spend on some of the collectibles and whatever, there's no way they're, they're just going to sit there. I yeah. mean, don't forget in 1980 records were uh, the, the list price was nine ninety eight, mm -hmm. and you would see them for a dollar 99 in cheapy bins, uh, $3.99, $4.99. So my highest price was $5. Mm -hmm. Now, um, you know, at the time uh, I, I made some deals for my father uh, for new records. Uh, I went to garage sales. Um, the usual thing, record shows, um, you know, when you're first starting out, any way you could find them. So you would build up an inventory of how many records when you were in the early days of the store? Just ballpark. Uh, it was quite a, um, hmm, I would say probably about 10,000 records. That's a lot of records. Yes, but right now, I have over 150,000. And That's even incredible. after the flood, and don't forget with the flood, I lost a third of my, um, of my inventory. inventory. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm curious to, uh, to chat a little bit about the business of an independent versus a chain. Mm -hmm. Now, when we look around at shopping malls these days, you don't see too many chains of record stores anymore. Um, you have been in business for 40 years plus. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm curious to know how you made that decision to go the independent route. Is it because you were looking to accumulate uh, gems in terms of records or different 
genres or not be bound by someone else's opinion as to what you should be selling? How did that all come about? Um, I've always been a loner in those days. Boy, have I changed over the years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I like to do things my way. And um, I don't want, like with chains, you have to give a percentage to uh, uh, to the cheese Nonsense. store or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're in a mall. You Yeah, there's a lot of expenses you don't want to get into. Hmm. I started out of cheap. And, uh, you know, and I made my, I knew at that time I would never be a millionaire. So once you get that out of the picture, um, you know, you start, I remember when I started and I thought, okay, I started with $2,000. So what do I need? There's the rent, there's the telephone, there's, you know, and I had a checklist. Yeah. And um, after a week or a few days, that checklist went out of the uh, water I didn't realize how well I, you know, I mean, the money I was making, I mean, when I look back, it wasn't that much, but at the time it was way more than I thought. Mind you now with COVID and now running your store curbside, I'm getting some, I'm making some of those totals, mm -hmm. but it's still enough to, um, I mean, I've been spoiled rotten with, uh, you know, with uh, the success of the store. But um, to what do you attribute the success that you've enjoyed over the 40 year period? Well, um, it's just the love of what I'm doing yeah. and the people coming into the store see that. And I remember when I first opened, um, you know, you had to walk up the stairs and it wasn't downstairs place. Actually, um, just going back to one of the stories, um, when I was looking for a store, uh, a store on Princess Street, and um, I find this place. Actually, it's right above um, Art Noise, and uh, it used to be the AMP, and um, it was three hundred dollars a month, everything included. And uh, the landlord didn't think much of me, and didn't <laughs> want to give me a lease. And I said, "Well, I need a lease." So he said, well, why don't you write out a lease and I'll sign it? So that was my first time in Lino's. Uh, and uh, here I am writing my first legal document. It was five pages trying to cover everything I could think of. I go back to him and he signed it. I didn't. And, uh, you know, but at the time when he wanted to get rid of me after a few years uh, for, for renovations or whatever, I decided, you know, I decided I could have fought it with the lease, but I thought, no, it's time to be downstairs. And uh, so back sense. to, yeah. yeah. So your question on um, uh, why have I done well? Um, it's basically listening to people, listening to, like at the time I would spend an hour or a half hour with each person coming up, up the stairs yeah. and there was no internet. So they would say, oh, I, I always wanted to get turned on to blues. So I would spend a half hour playing blues records and just getting an idea of what they're into. I mean, now it's easy because people go online and they check things out. And then if they like something, they'll buy it on vinyl. Mm -hmm. But at that time, okay, that time it was vinyl and eight tracks 
cassettes. I, I never had a cassette player until I came to Kingston, but people were bringing in cassettes right. and I had to check them out. So it's, uh, so you not inter- only, you not only sell records, you also buy records off of other folks. Oh, of course. So, yeah, of course. Okay. That's let's, right. let's move on a little bit and, and move to August of 2018. Okay. So you come to work one day on a Saturday and what do you notice? And, uh, you know, it was, uh, there was the promenade. So I was preparing for the promenade. The Princess Street Promenade, yeah. That's right. And then I was, there was a record that um, I wanted to bring down, down in the basement. That's where I kept all my doubles, triples, quadruples. Mm -hmm. And I looked down and I go, holy shit. There's water was going higher and higher and higher. And it was coming upstairs. And I thought maybe it was next door, the PETA place, where they usually trip the um, the sub pump. And then, you know, I have a half an inch of water. Mm-hmm. And so I go in there and I said, Dennis, get downstairs and see what's happening. And he says, oh, in a minute. I said, Dennis, you better go downstairs. And anyways, it was, it went to the ceiling of the, um, the basement over the counter and out the door. And it was, if, if you, you could see it now, if you Google uh, Brian's record option flood and you'll see that video. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was pretty traumatic. So you're looking at the mess that this has created in your store. Yeah. And you're walking home and you're figuring what, is this the end of Brian's record option? Well, at the, at the time, time it was yeah. like, it was insane. And someone from the wig wanted to interview me. And I said, well, I have to go home and uh, find my insurance agent's phone number. And I said, well, why don't you walk me home? And so she's t- uh, interviewing me and she says, so uh, what's going, is this it? And I said, probably it's been, it's been a good, you know, 30 something years. And, um, but I don't think I could get back. I mean, I, I, I think that's the end. And um, so that was in the, uh, the front page of the wig and the uh, radio. And, but then when I walked back, I thought I, I went into the store and I went, mm. so I've lost about a third, but 70% is still there. Mm-hmm. So that's enough. So it's not as bad as I thought. And, um, but then when, it reached the front page of the wig. People were, uh, and it basically said Brian's record option is set to close. And the community said, you can't. And I was sort of stunned at the uh, response. Uh, and, you know, there was a, a GoFundMe page that, that raised $10,000 in three days. There was three benefits in bars. People were everywhere I went, they were putting money and checks in my pocket. It was embarrassing. Um, How did you feel about that community reaction? I was I was stunned. I was totally stunned. Um, I know I was brought up. My mother would always say, you know, if uh, the only people who love you are us, no one gives a shit. <laughs> and uh, boy, boy, if my mother was still alive today, she would be stunned, you know. Um, but no, I, I just I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't. And that's when I got all these donations and at my house and and it it was insane 
So you had to, to close the store up to clean up the mess and do some serious renovations, I gather. Well, there was eight months. I didn't realize it was going to be that long. Um, service master came in and they very slowly um, took all my, well, first they took the water out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Corcoran uh, uh, was good enough to call service master and all the water was taken out and then it had to dry out. And then service master had to take all my records and everything uh, to be put in storage. And uh, then after that, um, I had to depend on the landlord to call his carpenter and to do something. And that was really slow. And they said it was going to be between three and five months. Mm -hmm. But um, you know how difficult it is to hire skilled labor like i figured okay you can just call three people up and take the lowest or the best yeah and it doesn't work that way so you just grab whoever you can no matter how expensive it is well you're doing that during prime construction season too right you were looking for laborers at that particular time that's right that's right so they're even harder to find yeah so it uh it it was a learning curve i've never done this before Mm -hmm. and um you know, the generosity of people were just amazing. And, um, you know, and I survived. Mm-hmm. Um, and now with COVID, like it was a, a year of construction first. And you were sort of living in a concentration camp in a way because it was fencing around. Mm-hmm. And that was, and totals would go down uh, because of that. And then there was a year of flood. And now there's a year of COVID. Now, what happened with the flood, the advertising was so good that it made an imprint on people. Mm-hmm. And now with COVID, people were thinking, were worried about me. How am I going to survive a third uh, disaster? And mind you, they didn't have to worry about it because, you know, um, just the support continuous support of people and people bringing you inventory as well oh definitely definitely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i must have gotten maybe over sixty thousand cds donated 45s records like it was who knew i was going to have more than what i started with mm-hmm. or what well after the flood now it seems to me you've learned to do a lot of things that you've never had to do before exactly <laughs> We're going to take a break from chatting. Okay. Play the song you asked us to bring in. So what's okay. the song and why did you pick it? Okay. The song is by a local group that I was actually was asked to write um, a record review for. And um, it was, it was, uh, it was called 25 by the wilderness. And you know, you're, you're listening to CDs and you're going, and all of a sudden the song came up and it floored me, just the emotion in the song and what the uh, writer was talking about, about this disaster of uh, the death of uh, a few friends and uh, having some guilt about, you know, why did they die and not me? And just the way the song was put together, I... I had uh, a lump in my throat and I don't get that very often. Mm -hmm. 
from listening to music, especially local music that, uh, you know. That's one thing I found. There's a lot of great local talent. That's for sure. Oh, there's amazing local talent. Let's give a listen. This is The Wilderness with a tune called 25. forget that it never used to snow where I grew up but it snowed that night and it didn't stop they're gonna take me down to the station they wanna ask me a couple of questions like do you remember where they were going can you tell us about their condition do you know if they Doing any kinds of drugs I apologize Cause I don't remember I guess I was too fucked up Turn 25 
That's a local Kingston band called The Wilderness, and the song is called 25, and that's the choice of our guest today, Brian Lipson, and he's from Brian's Record Option, and we are going to continue our conversation by talking a little bit about some of the stories. Now, I came across these stories on your <laughs> Facebook page, and I gather you started writing these during the first wave of COVID, correct? That's right. Now... There are all kinds of little stories. And to you, the listener, get the Facebook page. Now, is it under your name or the store's name? There's two Facebook okay. pages. There's the store Facebook page, Brian's Record Option. Yep. And there's another one, Brian Lipson. And it's interesting because the Brian Lipson one, there's more comments. Okay. And people, you know, the Brian's Record Option tells me how many people have looked at it yep. and how many people... Uh, you know, have engaged. Yeah. And so those stories are on which page? Both. Okay. So these are stories based upon your interaction with people in your store, outside your store. And I'm going to go through a few and I'll get you to, but not embellish the story, but expand <laughs> upon the story. And the one I liked was the one where you were talking to somebody outside your store when you were opening one day and oh. you decided to try your Harry Belafonte. Oh, no. <laughs> that story, I never expected the amount of people who read that. Uh, sometimes you're writing these stories and you go, hmm, you know, it, anyways, yeah, that was, <laughs> uh, people were asking me whether uh, they would have, uh, they would pay me a lot of money to get the video of that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us how this came about, what happened? Well, I come to work and there's this woman in front of my door uh, I believe she had a turban on or something covering her face. And um, she had a, she was cross-legged. She had a coffee and her eyes were closed. And I came up and I said, excuse me, I want to go into my store. And there was no reaction. And I said, excuse me, and no reaction. And I thought, oh, I don't feel like phoning the police. I mean, they have better things to do. So I have to use ingenuity. Now, what I when I have drunks coming into the store and I'm worried about and they're acting up and I'm worried about customers and my way of doing it is acting stupider than they are. And usually it works. They it, it works because they end up shaking their heads and leaving and going, what's with this guy? And uh, so it saves the police a call and um, it works out very well. So what did you do? Well, what I did was I decided to sing, I, I, you know, what I do in the, in the, in the shower. And okay. I yelled out, Dale, Dale. And I thought that would, you know, wake her up and, but no reaction. And so I started with the different uh, verses that I could remember. And I, I did another verse and another verse or another sentence and, and it didn't work. So then I thought, okay, let's do a dance. Let's do like, it's sort of like Tai Chi. That's how I dance. And I closed my eyes. I looked to see if there's anyone around. 
and there was no one around. Thank goodness. And, uh, <laughs> With a camera. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe someone did see me, but I, I think the place was deserted. It was too early in the morning. And um, I just did a dance routine and started singing, uh, so, you know, in a loud voice. And finally, she opened her eyes and, uh, you know, collected her things very slowly and um, said I needed some help, <laughs> <laughs> something to that effect, and left. Now, and, for those uh, who may not know, those of a younger age, Deo is a song by Harry Belafonte from, what, the late 50s? Yeah, that's right. 60s, I mean, it was somewhere in that range. Yeah. And that was my, you know, I was talking about my father distributing records. And that was one of the, and he, everything that he distributed, he would bring home. And mm -hmm. I got brought up on music that way. And um, that record by Harry Belafonte was one of the earliest one I could remember. So it always stuck, especially in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could get away with doing that in the shower in my house. Anyway, an, another story I liked was, and I think it was a mom and dad who were coming into the store to buy a record for their daughter. Okay. And they found the one they wanted to buy and they wanted you to autograph it. Oh yeah, that's right. Remember that story? Yes, I do. I do. That was um, a Miles Davis record. And um, the person said that, their daughter uh, would come into the store and uh, was very impressed with the store. And at first I didn't know who it was. They mentioned the name and then it, it suddenly dawned on me who, who she was. And uh, anyways, they wanted me to sign the record. And I said, well, Miles Davis should sign the record, but he's not alive. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to sign Miles Davis's name. But, uh, you know, and uh, he said, well, I would really like you to do it. And uh, I said, okay. So I, I wrote on, I started to write on the cellophane. And the guy said, no, 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 no. He opened up the record, took off the cellophane and said, write on the record, write on the cover. And I said, yeah, but now it's a, a used record. And uh, like, who wants someone's name? And he, he was getting a bit pissed. And I thought I better do what he says. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was thinking in the back of my mind, I was thinking, what would happen if the record was defective and the person brought it back to get another one? And with my name on it, I couldn't send it back. Right. Uh, but I didn't tell him that. So I, anyways, I wrote down um, all the best uh, and I signed it. I didn't sign my name. I signed it BS Option. And B, Stephen is my middle name and Option is my last name. And I, I believe the guy said, what kind of a name is Option? And um, I think I said some, I bullshit it. And I, I think I said something. It, it's a shortened version. Uh, Lithuanian. A, a Ukrainian name or something. Okay. Yeah, Lithuanian, I think is what you Did said. Did I say Lithuanian? Okay. okay. <laughs> so you told me it was of Lithuanian extraction. Something like that. Yeah. Now, the reason I said Lithuanian was my father's father. I've always thought he was from Lithuania. Mm-hmm. Mind you, it turned out it was the Ukraine. 
Okay. But that was years later. So did he go away happy then that you had signed it? I or guess. You? Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he hasn't been back. Money back. He hasn't. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I mean, what would you have done in that uh, situation? Probably the same thing. I mean, you I'd be have curious to. as to why he'd want the store's owner to autograph the record. I guess I didn't really, ex yeah. you know, like I mean, who the who the hell am I? I mean, it's 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 Miles Davis, and he bought a a, a very different Miles Davis record. It was more of a soundtrack from France, and mm -hmm. um, anyways, uh, yeah. There are a lot of great stories that I urge everybody to go to the Facebook page and read because some of them are quite hilarious. One couple of questions I have. Have you ever had any musicians come into the store to rummage through what you have uh, on your racks and in your bins? All the time. Oh, yes, of course. Any names yeah. you'd like to drop? Oh, you mean famous names? Yeah. Um, well, okay. Um, well, this tragically hip in the early days, mm -hmm. you know, uh, now, uh, now their kids come in. Uh, Steve Earle was in uh, for okay. a few hours, uh, which was, which was one of my stories, actually. Um, I mean, your usual Dan Aykroyd, um, uh, the people, some of the newer bands, they come in, but I don't realize who it is mm -hmm. until much later. Um, and then you ask for their autographs. No, I'm not into <laughs> autographs. No, 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 no. I'm not, a, I'm not a collector of autographs. Uh, I have a customer who's, um, who, who's a judge or a retired judge in Barry mm -hmm. and he, um, collects autograph records and just drives me crazy. He comes in once a year and drives me crazy on finding this one and that one and, you know, he looks for albums that have been autographed by the musician. That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. We are, we are running short on time here, and I wanted to sort of wrap up by asking you to give me an idea of where does the store go from here? Like, what's the long-term plan for when you decide to retire? Um, I don't intend to retire unless, because I'm having too much fun, mm -hmm. but unless, you know, I mean, the older you get the um you never know what's going to beset you you mm -hmm. know with all the difficulties uh you know cancers and you know just the everyday thing of getting old um my father uh and my brother opened up a store two years later in toronto and my father was in his 70s and uh, you know now he's 94 but um if I have his longevity, I could see myself, you know, in my 70s, 80s, running the store, yeah. um, slow down a bit, but still, you know, it's just the interactions with people. And um, I guess the older you get, the money part isn't as important. Mm -hmm. And the flood sort of, uh, and COVID has demonstrated that, that it's, you know, uh, what's important is to live, not to die, and uh, just to overcome disasters, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what I would do retired. I mean, I guess I would write more stories, but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a lot of people on the story page uh, want me to write a book. Right. And um, 
you know, and I say, well, you're getting it for free. Don't complain. <laughs> and a book, I mean, it's a lot of work and uh, I'm too busy. And so, you know, if I ever retire, I guess that's what I would do to write a book about my 40, 50, 60 years in business. I can't visualize that 50 years, 60 years in business. I mean, even 40 years is quite a long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, but it's the love of what you're doing. And, and it's, the interaction if, with, it's the interaction with people, too, that really uh, gets the juices flowing. Because that I'm does. sure you have all kinds of different people that come in. Oh, if I do. The same do. kind of customer come in all the time, it would get boring. But I'm That's sure. That's very boring. Giving, given the, the breadth of music that you have in the store, you're attracting all sorts of different people. That's and right. And you provide them with a service that obviously is important to them even mm -hmm. though, and this is a whole other topic we could probably get on, but I'm just surprised at in these days with the amount of people who are getting their music from listening to satellite uh, radio or streaming services, that your store continues to provide a function in the community that you wouldn't expect it to given all the technology. Well, okay. In the, in the early days, um, when people were, okay, first people were taping records. Yeah. And uh, so that would it. take away. And, you know, um, and then I remember there was a store in Kingston that was renting records. Okay. And then, okay, you could go online and you could Napster and you could get the whole yeah. thing on. Now, the thing with that, it's the same people who were first taping records. And, um, you're, you're still, you're only losing that percentage of people, the people who like records and tapes and whatever, they've always been there and they might've deviated for a while, but they always come back. Mm -hmm. And um, I find with the, I mean, if technology is, if they're stupid enough to have a, a, a technology where you just tape, you, you don't have to buy anything you don't censor it. You you have to live with it and adapt to it. And I find if someone, okay, gets Radiohead would put their whole album on, uh, you can get it for free. Mm -hmm. And, but I sell a lot of Radiohead because if people like it, they'll go and buy it on record. Right. Now, um, right now, like, for, okay, when I first opened, um, Okay, when when records when CDs took over from records, that was a problem, because most of the stores kept put their records in the back, and just got rid of them slowly. And the thing was, uh, I was thinking, what should I do here? And I figured all the stores were doing the same thing. A CD store, you come in, you buy the CD, and you leave. Mm -hmm. Very little interaction. A record store. You hang out, you talk, you don't necessarily buy the record, but um, I my store is a browsing store. I want people to hang out. They don't necessarily have to buy things, you know. It's not like it's not like selling cars, <laughs> 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 but uh, you know, you never get out alive. But um, I think so that's an important factor too here is that when they come into your store and they browse and they talk to you, they're talking to someone who knows his stuff. 
right? And when you go to some other record stores, the people behind the counter may not be as knowledgeable about music in general as you are. Now, the other thing is I learn a lot from customers. For instance, hip hop. Mm -hmm. Hip hop was never my thing. And I remember in the early That's surprising. days- <laughs> and in, <laughs> and in, in in the early days, people would. It was little kid. It was fourteen year old, thirteen year old kids who'd yeah. come in and steal the CDs. And and I thought, why am I stocking this stuff if people are going to steal it yeah. and not anything else? So I stopped a section. I didn't bother. And then I noticed with posters. Um, the hip hop posters were selling, but it was a different crowd. And I started listening to people and um, I found out like, okay, I still do this. When people like, when people special order or ask me for something, if I get two people, if I get two people asking for the same thing, then I stock it. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot about hip hop. And now it's one of my best sellers. Really? And that happened because I was open. I wasn't in the beginning. I was stereotyping. Yeah. And never do that. Never do that. Um, but because I listened to what people were looking for and then I built up the section very gradually. And now um, it's probably one of the best sections in town. Really? Yeah. So that's, you know, and that I never expected. And that comes from being open. Well, and listening yep. to people. And that's, that's where right. the talking, you want talking and you want to hear what people are asking for. So now um, I've only had a computer in my store since, um, since COVID. And um, I've never had a computer before. And now I see what I've missed. <laughs> 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 like Zoom. <laughs> Do we tell people what version of Windows you're using? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm using 10, but my big computer that went uh, belly up, I because I was hearing all this negative things about Windows 10, I kept uh, using Windows 7. And even when they said you can't use it anymore, there was a deadline, I just left it. Mm -hmm. And to my surprise, I had it for over a year, Windows 7. And finally, a few months ago, it... Uh, there's these noise coming out of it and smoke. <laughs> and I guess, okay, I'm stuck with a Windows 10. <laughs> and you don't want fire in addition to a flood. That's for sure. <laughs> Listen, Brian, I really thank you for uh, giving up some of your time to sit down and chat with me. Uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation and I wish you all the best going forward. Well, I appreciate you asking me. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I appreciate asking me. Our thanks once again to Brian Lipson. And a reminder, you can track more of his stories on his Facebook page. Comments and suggestions can be directed to our Facebook page called simply The Kingstonian Podcast. Theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, written and performed by Kingston musician Tim Aylesworth. This podcast is produced through CFRC Radio at Queen's University, 
Kingston, Ontario, situated on the traditional territories of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. My name is Dave Cunningham. Join us next time for the Kingstonian Podcast. Thank you for listening.